Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The nail in the coffin! Memorial Day edition of the Nail in the Coffin, Tom and Travis recording on Monday night. Trav, we're uh, just about 24 hours removed from uh, a wild, exhausting, exciting Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, the Cavs victorious, going to the Finals for the fourth straight year. I I told you last night, I said, uh, win or lose, I I said this halfway through, win or lose, I don't think I ever want to watch this game again, And, and I still stand by that. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was painful to watch at times on both sides, um, but like death and taxes, LeBron James going to the finals. I guess it, I, I don't know that I was ever really, I don't know that I was ever that worried. You were pretty worried at one point. I know um, hey, you've got the receipts on that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I was ever really legitimately concerned. Um, there were certainly points where I was like, all right, if this gets what this could get away from us now, but they never really got to that point where I thought they couldn't get back into it. So, um, no, I mean, hell of a game entertaining at the end. First three quarters are pretty, uh, pretty blah. I think for everybody involved, both teams, but, uh, absolutely dreadful. I guarantee if either one Houston or golden state, both of them are watching that three point display thinking, all right, we'll take either one of these. Well, that was the thing, like, through much of that first half, and I think it was in the second quarter I texted you, I just don't see a path to victory tonight, was because going into that, you know what you're getting from LeBron, and he delivered it, and, you know, it. make no mistake, I'm not saying you take that for granted, you absolutely never take that for granted, but um, it's a ridiculous standard that he lives up to every single time he takes the floor, and sure enough, last night, you get the full 48 minutes, and how special that was. Um, but you just felt like, or at least I felt like you need other points. You need other guys scoring. And for whatever reason, throughout this series, the Cavs role players, nobody could shoot well in Boston. You, you know, there were scoring. There's plenty of scoring. I felt like in the home games, but those games that were in Boston, it was just really a, a struggle and an uphill battle. And it, you could just see it early on in the game last night. They were getting looks at again. Shots weren't falling. I'm like, my God, are you telling me we're going to go through this again? Um, but then, you know, I think Corver knocked down a couple. JR knocked down a couple. Jeff Green knocked down even a couple of shots. I think he was only like two of nine from three-point range. But, uh, you know, I, there are, th- I think, three plays from that game I'm going to take away and remember for a long time. One of them was the Jeff Green three-pointer to put them up, I think, 74-72 because Boston – had really started to, you know, fight back, and they had taken the lead, and it was getting starting to get late, and you could feel the crowd getting into it, places going crazy, and he hit him with a silencer there, 
And that was really a huge momentum shift that I don't think Boston ever really recovered from. Yeah, it was a game of uh, a punch and counterpunch on both sides. Um, a lot of runs. There was not, I don't think there was a whole lot of back and forth, really. And I guess maybe I just didn't see it at the time. But it seemed like one team would, you know, go on a 10-2 run. Then the other one would go 9-0, then 12-4. Like, it seemed like it was a lot of back and forth of runs like that, which um, obviously went the Cavs' favor. Uh, but there was couple guys and and i texted you speaking of receipts during game six <laughs> said ban jeff green from the floor and once <laughs> i said that from that point on through the rest of the series he played some really good basketball um so i tried the reverse jinx i don't remember who the other one i said it was i think it might have been jr yeah um he hit a couple shots yesterday that were pretty big shots finally started to feel it um so that was big too it was the first time we really saw um, and LeBron said it after the game. I think he did at some point yesterday realize, like, as much as he believes in himself more than anybody else, he I think he realized that if they wanted to win that game, he had – the other guys had to do stuff. So he had to trust them to do it. Oh, he Whether knew that going into that. Not, he kind of forced it. It was like, well, you know, if, if I go down because they didn't make it, so be it. But I got to give them a chance. Okay, so moment number two that's going to stick with me, the LeBron bo- uh, block on Terry Rozier. You could see that developing almost in slow motion as it was happening, and it was as glorious. As Terry was, like, sprinting to the basket, and LeBron's kind of, like, half-ass jogging back. I'm like, right. yeah, I know how this ends. Yeah, for, this for about .2 seconds, I, I thought, well, maybe he's tired and he's just going to let him go for the layup. And then you see him start to square up Rogier, and I said, oh, dear God, here he comes. And sure enough, he just obliterated it and then stared him down for a full 12 seconds afterwards, which was kind of amazing. Yeah, in the moment, <laughs> honestly, I was a little annoyed by it because I'm like, get the hell back on defense. But I like, well, if you want to you smell yourself a little bit, that's fine. Well, no, um, that, that, that was going back down the other end. He, he was, it was a four on five offensively. Back on for offense, a, yeah. Right? Yeah. Get back on offense. I meant, yeah. Um, that's when I think he might've been tired. Like he just stood there and watched and might've been like, yeah, all right, I'm gonna take a breather. I'll be back on defense if they don't score. And it's not, not a huge deal, obviously, but at the time it was one of those plays where it's like, well, you're not really hustling right now, but maybe you deserve a little bit of a break. 48 minutes, though. I mean, we're, we're talking about him trying to get error anywhere that he could. I I mean, it didn't yeah. even sound like going into the game that that was the plan. They were going to try to sneak in a minute for him here or there, and I figured it would be 45 or 46. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that that's just incredible. And I think one of the things that helped them, and one of the beat reporters pointed this out, was you didn't really have the big third quarter collapse where they yeah. had to start burning timeouts to – conserve you know or to stop the bleeding so once you had those extra timeouts in the fourth quarter you know there's that there was that point I think with three minutes left in the fourth just a little over you know the NBA's got that rule where no matter how many timeouts you have left I think in the last two or three minutes it automatically goes down to two so that it's not just completely killing the game flow so they had leftover timeouts that at that point were just use it or lose it so they were able to burn two of them in a row and give LeBron and everybody else about five minutes of real time of rest. And I mean, that was enormous. Oh yeah, it was huge. And there was a couple times you saw um, where the Cavs had the ball on offense and, and LeBron kind of, I'm not going to, it'll sound like a negative, but he kind of took the possession off. Like he just kind of let other guys do stuff. Um, right. 
because if and, and totally like I'm not saying that like he was not trying. Just I got to get a breather here while I can um, try to ride this out. And you looked at him, and you can tell he was really tired, um, and justifiably so. So I don't. It, it clearly warned him. I think it's it's good that he's got what three days off now, right? Um, before game one, and let's be honest, if they're gonna if they're gonna contend in the next series, he's gonna have to do even more. Let's let's talk about that. And I don't want to. We're gonna get into the finals in another episode here later in the week once we know who they're playing. As we talk right now, the uh, Rockets and Warriors are in the second quarter. Um. I just, I feel like th- this is a different year for me than what we've experienced in the last few years. I don't know, maybe the fact that the Cavs won a title a couple years ago and that pressure is off and, and, and that giant weight is off everybody's shoulders. But this year, winning this series... And in just with all the roster turnover and everything else that the team's been through over the last ten or eleven months, um, and just knowing what's probably lurking in the next round, no matter who the Cavs face, I just feel like at this point, obviously you want to win a title if you can, but it feels like house money to me. The- yeah, I don't think anybody's really going to disagree with that. Um, considering the outlook coming into the playoffs in general, I think most assumed. Um, I think there was a lot of people that I think thought they were going to lose to the Raptors. Um, but even beyond Whoops. that, I think there were people, yeah, that <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Cavs got uh, taken to seven twice. The, the Raptors yeah, didn't the, even exist. Couldn't, couldn't steal a game from them. Oh. Uh, but I think after how the first series went and there's probably, it's probably some fairness to that. Like how good is this Cavs team actually? But let's, I mean, LeBron just owns them and that's what it is. Or that's. It's one of those things that you can't change. Um, yeah. So that's that is what it is. But overall, um, I think most assumed, especially after the Indiana series, um, they'll lose to Philly or Boston. Those that didn't think they were going to lose to Toronto thought they'd lose to Philly or Boston. So going to the finals is a huge accomplishment. I know that this always gets thrown around. Like, is this you know is this more dragging this team to the finals? Is it more impressive than? Um, is it more impressive than actually winning the ones he won with Miami? Um, I don't think it's the most impressive thing he's done. I don't think this team is as bad as the 07 team was. Um, and I definitely don't think it's more impressive than beating the Warriors a couple of years ago. But um, Agree on all fronts. Okay, so we're on the same page yes. there. I think it's it's more of a prisoner of the moment thing. You look at this team and you think, how the hell did this team get to the finals? It's just LeBron. And to an extent it is, but I think you know it's maybe a little overreaction. The, the one the one thing I will say to that though is more than any other year in this second LeBron era last night a, a, it felt like a conference finals game and ending that mattered like that yeah. that that just felt different than any of them in past years um you could see it in the players you could see it in LeBron with just how much they had to pour into making that happen. And, you know, I credit Boston. They play their asses off and, and almost did it. Um, you know, I that's probably going to be the last nice thing I say about Boston, but I, I will tip <laughs> my hat to them. They they play well, and they gave the Cavs way more of a series than I thought they would going in. Um, but you could just see it in the players. You could see it in the coaching staff. You know, Dan Gilbert talked with Dave McMenamin 
from ESPN after the game and said, out of all of these four, this was the one, this was the conference title that meant the most, given everything the franchise has been through in the last year. Um, the fan base, I just, I, I feel like there was just a, a sense of just, you know, excitement and just how much that mattered that I can never remember in a, in a winning a conference title other than maybe 07. Cause that was the first one. Yeah. 07. Definitely. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is just that we never, I don't know that I've ever been worried that they were going to lose a series in the East since LeBron came back. Yeah. I don't know about you. Um, but I never really was even against, I think Chicago maybe got a lead on them a few years ago. Um, but I never was really that concerned that they were going to lose a series. Even Indiana this year, I was never really that worried. Um, this was the first time yesterday. I thought there was a real, like a real chance. I still thought they were going to win because I'm not going to bet against LeBron against the team that relies so heavily on um, Jason Tatum, who is, is a rookie and, and played his ass off yesterday, but um, they were just relying on guys that I think hadn't been there yet. So it, it was sort of a, a hairy area to be in for them. And I think, um, but I was still somewhat nervous, thought they had a, a decent enough chance as good as anybody has. And um, I mean, I guess that that's, that's kind of it. It was that it had that feeling of, I mean, in, in actuality, that's what, that's what elimination games should all feel like. Right. We just haven't really been that part of that many of them. I mean, I, I had some level of concern in the Indiana series in game seven, but that was more of like a, you can't. Yeah, I think in that case, it's just a game seven. You're thinking, yeah. Right. And it was just kind of like, are we seriously in this position that, that this can't be happening? And, um, you know, I mean, I think the Cavs controlled most of that game seven and it was just uh, trying to fight them off. Cause I mean, Indiana was another one of those teams that's just scrappy as hell and it's just not going to roll over. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it uh, that was that was tense last night, and that was just something I don't think we've really experienced a whole lot of with uh, with this Cavs run. Um, the the third play I'm going to take away from last night, and I think this was the moment that Boston was officially broken, was LeBron on the breakaway going up, getting a uh, giving a piggyback ride to Marcus Morris. And uh, having his shot goaltended at the rim still, still goes in, in, and then he finishes the 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 add one, put him up ten. Um, that uh, my basement, I had a nice little crowd of uh, friends and family over. Uh, whole place went nuts. Um, our our good friend J Dub and I executed probably the most awkward white guy high five of all time. Oh my god, you two fucking dads <laughs> probably going crazy. <laughs> I was I was preening and strutting around the basement and screaming and whooping it up and uh, the dad fives were oh were yeah plenty yeah it was uh, but you know what I I apologize for nothing it was uh, <laughs> I'm gonna pick a different play okay I, I was confident it was over and it was when Boston actually made a play and Marcus Morris and Jason Tatum started chirping at LeBron oh. Dunked on him at that point. I said, "Yeah, you didn't want to do that. <laughs> so just run back down to the other side. Got on defense. That to me, that's it's one of those things we've seen it before when LeBron like feels seriously threatened or challenged, or you know, got, when guys like yell at him or get in his face. When he gets angry, he he really is a different guy. Um, and once that happened, I said, "Yeah, okay, I feel as that dunk in theory should help Boston. I don't think it is." 
Well, the thing of it was, in in that scenario, Tatum, I'm going to give a little bit of a pass to because he's so young and in a game like that for the first time. And that's the better of him. Sure. That's and he was the guy that actually did it. And he he hit the dunk. And you know what? He's he's amped up. It's game seven. He just dunked on LeBron James. I don't blame him too much. He screwed up. He should not have done that. But. Morris, what the hell are you doing, man? You you've been around too long to be to be jumping up in LeBron's face when you're not even the guy making the play there. And not to mention Morris for this guy that came into the series talking about he was going to stop LeBron. Um, nothing different than any other guy that we've seen guard him over the years. No, um, he, he gets another one of Bart Simpson's. At least you tried cakes. <laughs> yeah, good job, good effort. Good job. Um, <laughs> That's right. Where's that kid when you need him? <laughs> um, but no, I think he came in talking about how he's as good at guarding LeBron as anybody other than outside of Kawhi Leonard. Um, yeah, okay. Um, maybe that's the case. And, and if that's the case, then LeBron's more unstoppable than we thought. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he he got a, he had a couple times this series where he got a little a little vocal, and that's I think that's sort of his thing. Him and Marcus Smart both they're not that great of players, so they just try to get other guys pumped up. Um, I mean, they're fine. They're 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 solid they're role players. players. But... They're nice, yeah, they're nice role players, but you're not going to lean on them when you need a big bucket or something. No, and and not it, it, to the degree that uh, him screaming in people's faces after uh, big plays. That's that's not uh, that that's regrettable. But um, man, what a what a run this has been, and. I just that 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 was about as satisfying of a win as I can remember last night that was not in a finals game. Yeah, yeah, no question. Um, it's what you want playoff basketball to be, quite honestly. And it, 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 it finally finally we got a game to be excited about in the playoffs, which quite honestly in the East, at least in the East playoffs, have been in very low supply the last few years. Right. All that said, I still don't ever want to watch that game again. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. And I'll say this. Um, I'm Boston's going to be really damn good next year um, when they add Kyrie. I will say this. There was like rumors early in the series where people were talking about um, maybe they should trade Kyrie and ride with Terry Rozier. Please do that. Yeah. Please do that. I will absolutely co-sign off on that. Um, I'm pretty sure that ship sailed. Um, Terry Rozier punched his ticket out of town, I think, the last couple games, and it was not nearly as, as pricey as he thought it was going to be. Yeah, that uh, – I'm with you on that. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. I mean, if you're looking ahead to the future for Boston, I'm kind of curious to see how their logjam of wing players shakes yeah. out with Gordon Hayward. Um because you've got Tatum and you've got Brown out there and you've got some of those other guys. Um, I mean, they can make it work, but that's that's a lot of guys that are going to be wanting shots and and wanting the ball, and that's uh, that's going to be an interesting situation for them to sort out. But that's an issue for another day. Um, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this one for another couple of days. I, I think as a as a fan base, uh, we, we deserve that after the year we've been through. I know that when LeBron came back, the it, it immediately became about winning titles. Um, 
which I think probably causes some to take these these finals trips for granted a little bit, um, which is kind of ridiculous, quite frankly. We shouldn't. And yeah, appreciate it. Enjoy it because it is a big deal. It does matter. Even if no matter what happens in the next series, um, this was a good season. It's a big accomplishment that they were able to get this team to the finals and, you know, enjoy it. If, if it's your team, enjoy it. That's these are the things you hope for. There's about 30 other teams that wish they could be where the Cavs are going to be. Absolutely, man. All right. I think that was about all we wanted to say on this one. Agreed, or you got anything else? Uh, Yeah, do it. Wrap it up. All right. Well, I'm as good. always, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nail podcast. I, uh, I shared a story that was written, I believe it was by Brian Winhurst, um, about everything that Kyle Korver has been through this year. Uh, we posted that on the uh, the Nail Facebook page. So uh, if you've not read that yet, that's uh, that's where you can go find that. Go uh, go give that a look. And uh, if you're streaming us on our, on your desktop, we are on waitingfornextyear.com. We're going to be back in a couple days to uh, get uh, everything all set up for the finals. Looking forward to that. I think we're going to try to bring a guest on for that one as well. So that should be some good stuff. But in the meantime, for Travis Shuley, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin, and we'll talk to you again real soon. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.